0: Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Child Care.
1: Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Beth Menninga. I'm the relationship based professional development manager here at the Center for Inclusive Child Care. And today I'm here with Cheryl Warner, who's a family child care provider in South Minneapolis. We were trying to remember how long we'd known each other, and it's been many years. So I'm delighted to be talking with her today. I asked her to come and talk about a topic that's of great interest to us at CICC and to our coaches throughout their working programs. We're going to talk about welcoming babies to child. So, Cheryl, I know that, of course, with any child of any age, the first thing you're doing is establishing relationships with families, with the parents. Um, but I was wondering, what's unique? What are some unique things that you do or think about or talk about with parents, families who are bringing their baby to you?
0: Wow. Well, every new little baby is such a wonder. And um, especially with uh, parents who it's their first time, if they have, this is the second or a third infant, they've been around the block a little bit. But a brand new infant in the program, it really does take a lot of time. It's probably one of the most time-consuming relationships you'll have in your childcare program, because especially now, when finding infant care is so difficult, and so parents are coming way ahead. And so you know way ahead before the baby's even born, you're establishing the relationship. You're doing interviews. Uh, you're introducing them to your program and showing them what you have and how you do things. So the time is an important factor. And I think this is actually something I do more and more with the new families. The relationship, it really is unique in the sense that you have to establish everything about that family and everything that they want for their child. And many parents don't know that. They don't even think about that. The excitement of having a new baby, um, anticipation beforehand really is more overwhelming. And then once the baby comes, they tend to be very tired and confused. (laughs) And they have probably a 100 different things that they know they need to decide and prepare for. So I really encourage um, parents to do that first meeting well before the baby is born and to walk through and talk through some of the things that might come to mind. I think you really have to give those conversations a lot of time and, and just give them opportunities to tell you things that they don't even know they want to tell you.
1: You know, you're making me think, um, I know it's not ideal, the current situation of having to find infant care right now. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for families out there, like you're mentioning. But the one blessing of having that time in advance together is I'm thinking of especially those new parents. They're still forming their own image of themselves in their minds. You know, as parents, they're making a mental journey and to have you there early on to kind of um, partner with them in that journey and also to help them think about some things they might not know they need to think about. Um, other people might not be asking the same kinds of things you're asking because of your experience as well as um, the fact that you know they're going to be partnering with you in your program. So I, I like the fact that you're able to take that walk with them because I think for new parents – um, the more we can have people around supporting them and helping them, the better when they hit that tired phase.
0: Yes, I agree. They they learn a lot, hopefully, from their provider. And um, you find out pretty early their attitude toward you as a caregiver.
1: Mm. Some
0: parents are very prepared. They have very decisive um, plans. And others are way up in the air. It depends on their temperaments. It depends on their approach to parenting, and um, and so as you talk more and more with them, you you learn how to pick up those little cues, and then you know what kind of questions to ask.
1: Oh, given examples of that, or
0: oh, sure. Um, I would say there there are parents who will who will have it, it all written down. They know before their baby is born even how much they're going to feed them. Everything is set up. And some are very structured. Um, and, of course, there are benefits to a, a structured parenting uh, approach because they they are very sure of what they want, and they also um, can communicate that well. Of course, there's difficulty if that structure doesn't match your structure. Right. Um, or if they decide at some point to change it, you have to cooperate on those things. But I've also seen some families who um, – Currently, I have an an infant in my program who the parents are very open. They're asking questions. They take advice, uh, ask them questions. Oh, they'll check on that. And that's something they can think about. And so it it really depends a lot on the attitude of the parents and also priorities. I think one of the things you learn very quickly with families and it's very important to how you approach discussing and um, creating that continuity of care and, and that has to do with how flexible they are and what's important to them. Because many times as you talk about this, you can wonder with them that this is important for you. I'm, I can appreciate that you this is what you would like to do. And I want to make sure that I'm coordinating with you well on this. And so as you, as you go through getting to know them and knowing what is important to them, then you also know how you can work with them if you do come into difficulties.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, you mentioned, um, started to mention a little bit about this continuity of care piece. Um, one of the challenges our coaches come across is that issue because while we would all love, we know for infants, um, predictability, continuity is really important. At the same time, you can't um, carry out exactly the same routines like napping and feeding. You can try to provide continuity, but there are things like um, breastfeeding, licensing rules, you're providing group care versus, um, you know, if they're an only child, for example, um, all those things that make it different in care. So um, I'm thinking our listeners are wondering, so how do you help with that continuity, especially, well, and you can talk about two questions. How do you help with that continuity Really thinking about any family, and then maybe those two different. I like the temperaments temperament, um, because I think we think about that with children why we have to create a goodness of fit with the temperament. Well, that's so true with families too, and I appreciate that metaphor for a working family. So, going back to that question,
0: well, with the childcare, it's really important first for a provider to to really have a lot of good self-knowledge. You know um, yourself what kinds of things you need to have to be comfortable in working in your program. You have your structure set up, you have your routines, and you have to know the other children because adapting in, an infant to the children that you have already um, is is a process in itself. And so you have, in, in a sense, have to get your act together You need to know your temperament and need to know how, you know, what the priorities are for you. And so when you can work from that base, then it's easier for you to be able to flex the kinds of things and even be aware of how this is difficult for me. I know this is difficult for me, but this is how I need to accommodate the new little ones. And some of it goes by age. If you're starting a three month old, it's going to be different than if you're starting a six month old. Sure. We, we have different temperaments in the children. Some of them are regular. They follow somewhat of a schedule. Some Others are irregular. And you may struggle a little bit with parents if you are trying to create a regular routine or to create a routine that will work with your program. I have found that very young infants, I will use a what I call um, a staggered schedule, and I actually came upon it when I had my, my youngest and I was in child care. And so starting back into working with um, my, my business after being pregnant and giving birth and working with wanting time with my own child, I developed a staggered schedule. What that would mean is that the infant would be sleeping when we are the most active and then when the children would be down for naps would be the biggest time I would spend then with the infant, and so as you you know try to work uh, the needs of an infant into a mixed age groove, it's a very tight fit. Yes. So to try and do it staggered that always helped for me. Another thing, always having good tools. I always um, get a small spiral notebook, and it's information I can write down what has happened throughout the day, anything I need to note for the parents and it goes home, and then they bring it back in the morning. And in the morning, I will know the last feeding, when the baby woke up, and if there is anything as far as needing to know the last diaper or, or issues. And it's great for when they start to eat solid foods, you can write in oh, yeah. what they've tried, everything's documented, everything's listed. And a little story about that, um, the benefit of having that in a little notebook altogether is a child um, who ended up having some medical issues, and they were able to take the little book with them to the doctor and say, Here, this is everything that's been happening for the last six weeks or two months or whatever. So that's helped a lot. I also believe you have to accept Mondays. Mondays, <laughs> Mondays with every kid is uh, they're on, un- who knows where they've been all weekend, they're going to be on their schedule. There, everything is going to need to be refreshed with all of the daycare rules, cues, routines. It's, it's reestablished on Mondays, and so we have to think for infants that is going to be a different kind mm-hmm. of a Monday. They have to hear the noises in your program. They have to smell the new smells. They have to uh-huh. accommodate you maybe with a bottle rather than home nursing with their mom. So there's going to be an adjustment and, and it's just something you accept.
1: Yeah, I didn't think about that so much for infants, how much that would be a change that, yes, they get used to, but they have to readjust. I know that's true from my work in childcare myself was Mondays. That was true for all the ages, but for infants, that whole adjustment to The routines and also being in the environment with other kids, which I love. My daughter was in family childcare and I loved so much having that age range of kids there to kind of welcome her. But yes, I can see that would be oh, there's a lot of noise again in my environment. Who are these big kids again? (laughs) All of that.
0: Yeah, they do adjust. And as they get older, they really appreciate that the 10 month old they have now is just thrilled to be Mm -hmm. in in the atmosphere of the other kids. And dad was telling me how he's just exhausted on his childcare days. He just comes home and eats and goes to bed and he just crashes. (laughs) because it's overwhelming. So that, that information just in itself helps me then to understand how the weekends are so different for him. Yeah.
1: So what are, um, what are some of the conversations that you have with families around all this? I'm thinking about, again, the parents who this is all new for. They're figuring out routines and how important they are um, or not realizing sometimes um, how important they are. What are some of the conversations you're having with them? I love the notebook because that's a regular communication. And I love the story of it was documentation of what you were doing together. It's great
0: well, I would say, you know, ask in family child care, it's just you. They're here, they see you every day, even though it's been difficult with Covid, We've still been able to have text or phone conversations or zoom. And I think that the the primary subject or topic of our conversations have to do with all the bodily functions. I mean, it, everything in an infant is based on their physical well-being and, um, developmentally, we really cover more of that in our conferences. I parent conference twice a year. Mm. And, and with the younger ones, we have to do it a little more often, but giving them good resources, continuing to make note, noticing. I think when you notice little things that a parent might not even realize anybody notices, but they do, that creates a connection between you and that parent. Obviously, we do that with young children. Um, I believe the the term now is resonance. Mm. And you get this connection with the child and you see them and they see you. And it's this fun little connection that you're paying attention to them and you're engaged in whatever they're doing. We do that at a different level with parents. And I think if they can accept and understand how much we pay attention to their child... It builds so much trust with them. And it's amazing how you can mention something like that to them. They will mention something back to you. And all of a sudden, it opens a new door, a new conversation. And so many things have come out. Um, You can sometimes hear information about family issues. You might hear information about their fears, their dreams for their child. You you can just kind of, once, once they trust you, and they see how much you care about their child, they're much more open and willing and engaged in any kind of conversation that you want to have.
1: That makes so much sense. And it it goes back to that when you were talking about, and of course they're gonna be different parenting styles, but that's enough to talk about, okay, we're gonna work this out together and maybe we'll do it a little differently each of us, or maybe you know we'll work this out one way or the other. Um, together, if they have that trust with you, it'd be a lot easier to work on, you know, sharing those routines. Uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you, because you're endorsed as an infant family associate, how does that infant mental health lens or perspective apply to all of this, these conversations with families?
0: Well, I think one of the things I've learned most in the courses I've taken related to infant mental health has to do with perspective taking, understanding that every person has their perspective, which is going to give them their interpretation of what's happening. It's going to give them their interpretation of what you're saying. They're going to interpret the same behavior in their child differently than you might. And so... That is sometimes the most difficult part of working with parents of infants. They say that, um, especially for new parents, mm-hmm. and you mentioned this, I think, earlier a little bit, that this is their first realization of their own childhood. And many things that go along with parenting will bring out experiences from their own background and their own childhood experiences and so it's really hard to be a parent and not have that thought I'm going to do this like when I was a child or I'm not going to do this like what happened when I was a child and so we come up with these things in our mind and I think as as, um, you know as you take that perspective of infant mental health you're always aware that there could be And, you know, like an iceberg, there could be all these other things Mm. underneath something that a a parent might be just emphatic about, and you can't understand it. And many times they don't even know, they haven't really come to terms or put together the puzzle pieces to see how that's brought about their own attitudes towards parenting. So you have to have a lot of tenderness and patience. Um, And that's why I was saying so much of this comes out when they see how much you are involved in Mm. this in the parenting part of uh, the care of their child and so then they start to see you as as partners in this and uh, will open up a little bit more
1: yeah i think i keep thinking of parallels you know you're a secure base for them in a way to explore new ideas if you create that safety that tenderness i love that you use that word Um, there's a safe place for them because it's a safe place for their child. Um, They can maybe be more willing to think about and talk about different ideas or relax a little bit with you um, into just becoming the parent they want to be. So I love that.
0: Yeah, that's true. And um, unfortunately, many parents are are holding a lot of that tension and anxiety in about, am I doing this the right way? Am I good mm. enough, parent? And so I really think that you have to look at the strengths and really be that support for the parent. Uh, it, it's really important that you support both the parent and the child. And I, I have to say that took a lot of lot of thinking and learning and experience over years because, I, I mean, I think I hit a turning point where I actually... Believed it. I've been told it, and didn't believe it. But I really believe that as a provider, if you're going to be committed to the care of this child, you have to also be committed to the parent. Mm. And so you're not just there to care for the infant, and then you just disconnect from the parent. It's it's not you aren't going to be an effective caregiver for that child, and by not supporting the parent, you're not giving the parent the ability to be a good parent then for their child as well. So you're a big piece of the puzzle for both of them
1: that's powerful well that might be a good final thought but did you have any other final thoughts about sort of welcoming babies or the routines that we talked about there's so much we could talk about in addition to this but I love that
0: the only thing I would say is that I think it's always important for adults to remember that the most important person is the child hmm So as long as all of the adults are making the needs and putting the needs of the child first, then any disagreements or misunderstandings or differences of opinion need to be worked through in order to make sure that the child is receiving what they need. So that's a really important part because egos and people can get crazy. And so we have to put those aside and always remember what is really important for this child.
1: Yes that tenderness with the child. (laughs) Thank you, Cheryl. Thanks for joining us.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.